Welcome to the Traveling On Radio Show, your premier source for travel news and information, featuring your hosts, Tanya and Ian Fitzpatrick. Now, the Traveling On Radio Show. And hello, everybody. Thank you for joining us today on the Traveling On Radio Show. We're your host, Tanya and Ian Fitzpatrick, broadcasting live from our studio right outside our nation's capital, Washington, D.C. On today's show, we will be discussing the apparent resurgence of the H1N1 virus, its impact on the travel industry and the things that you should consider before traveling. We've got a distinguished panel of healthcare, medical, and insurance experts to answer your pressing questions. Additionally, we have a travel writer and industry expert who traveled and worked in Vietnam during the SARS pandemic and another guest whose son was recently quarantined in Japan, and they will provide their perspectives as members of the travel community. This is an excellent opportunity to present questions to our expert panel. And as you've probably surmised, we have a very packed show for you today. Uh, But before we get started, I just want to remind you that we have launched our TV channel, and you can view some of the content on our website at traveln-on.com. And while there, also join us on Facebook and, uh, and Twitter, and uh, sign up for our newsletter to receive travel deals and invitations to travel with us. And, in fact, next month we'll be at America's largest water park, the Kalahari Resort in Sandusky, Ohio, over the Father's Day weekend. And the Kalahari is offering an exclusive rate for the Traveling On family, and we'd love to have you meet us there. And you can find more information about that from our website. Now, as you've probably noticed, media coverage of the H1N1 virus, more commonly known as the swine flu, has increased over the last week or so. And with the World Health Organization possibly increasing the alert level to six and more loss of life in the United States, public concerns are mounting as to the impact on travel and other industries. And there's a lot of information floating out there. And you know, we're hoping that our guests can help you sort through the information clutter and so that you can make some uh, informed decisions about your travel plans. And so I'd like to uh, begin with an introduction of our first two guests who, who will probably provide perspectives from um, your perspective as they're members of the travel, uh, traveling public and traveling community. Dave Lau is a travel writer and a guest speaker with extensive tourism marketing experience in the hotel, inbound tourism, and airline industry. He was a marketing manager during the 2003 SARS crisis in Vietnam and saw firsthand the effect of the virus on all aspects of the tourism industry. And Dave is also a former guest of the Traveling on Radio show. And joining us as well is Lori Gross, a leading jewelry historian and author of Brooches, Timeless Adornment, and the former estate jewelry editor for the Rappaport Diamond Report. Like us, Lori is also a retired attorney, uh, but Lori's 20-year-old son was recently quarantined in Japan because he was on a plane with four persons traveling from Detroit to Tokyo a few years ago. And so to share these stories, I'd like to welcome Dave back and uh, welcome Lori for the first time. Thank you for having me. Hi, Tonya. How are you? Fine. Thank you. Now, David, let me start with you. Is this kind of a, a deja vu for you? I mean, was the coverage of SARS and the impact on the travel industry about the same, or does there seem to be more of an urgency or, or more panic with H1N1? Um, I think the SARS virus um, panic was larger, um, and the impact was actually more widespread. It spread to Hong Kong and Singapore 
um, China and Vietnam, and airlines cut back their capacity by more than 50% almost overnight. Um, in this case, it's mostly linked to Mexico, um, but the SARS virus was much more widespread, and o- almost 800 people died from that virus. Um, so the panic was much was much bigger, but I think that memory has kind of transferred over to what people are thinking about the virus now. It's kind of a, a deja vu, like you said. Now, Laura, your son was on a plane to Tokyo with uh, four persons who were about 20 rows apart from him, but uh, were infected with the H1N1 virus. And uh, he and his travel partner uh, uh, were briefly examined and quarantined uh, in Japan, uh, despite not having the virus. Uh, Talk to us about that experience. And was this, in your opinion, kind of a gross overreaction to the situation? Well, first, actually, when he was on the plane, they did uh, do a heat scan for on all the passengers before he actually even got off the plane. And apparently there was some, they, I guess, detected some people with temperature, with uh, a raised body temperature, and they didn't let anyone off. And eventually what they did was they did examine him briefly before he got off the plane. He wasn't one with, he actually did not have an elevated, at that point he did not have an elevated a body temperature. They eventually found him later on. They actually cleared him at that point when he got off the plane. He was able. He went through customs with no problem. But uh, a day or two afterwards, they actually caught up with him. The um, I'm not sure exactly who these people were. They were some sort of medical examiners. They actually found him at his youth hostel that he was staying at in Tokyo, and they did examine him and they did take his body temperature. And at that point, it was elevated to um, 99.5. And they felt that they should, at that point, uh, quarantine him. And they actually physically picked him up uh, in an ambulance. They put him in a bubble in an ambulance. The um, the medical assistants there were actually covered in hazmat suits, helmets, and masks. And they took him to a local hospital. Uh, we did not know the name of the hospital. His actually his phone was not working at the time. He had bought a world SIM card that wasn't working, and he was not in any way able to get contact to us with enough time. Um, So we had actually worked with the U.S. Embassy to find out the progress of what was going on and how they were testing him and what they were actually doing with him. So it was a little bit of an uncomfortable, very much uncomfortable situation for us back home because we really couldn't, couldn't speak to his doctors, and we had no contact with our son directly. And it was quite a difficult, I felt it was a quite a difficult uh, event and stressful. Now, Lori, how long was he in quarantine total? I would say, let's see, until all was done, said and done, I think about two days. Hmm. Now, Dave, uh, based on your experience uh, in the travel industry and uh, uh, the airlines uh, themselves, uh, the response here, in uh, your opinion, did it seem appropriate uh, given the fact that uh, Lori's son uh, tested negative for the virus? Well, Japan has a history of kind of overreacting sometimes with medical situations. Um, They are quite heavy-handed when it comes to um, things like SARS or the H1N1 virus. And during the SARS epidemic, they were also very um, strict about flights coming from anywhere in China or Singapore. So I think it's kind of an overreaction, but it's not atypical to Japan in general, because Japan is quite xenophobic when it comes to germs or anything foreign. They're quite um, strict about it. Yeah, it's it's unfortunate, because for someone who's 20 years old and so far from home, they should have given him more um, chance to speak to his family or at least, you know, contact, more contact than they did. 
Mm-hmm. Now, Lori, was his travel uh, companion also quarantined? I'm just curious. No, he wasn't. Um, apparently, you know, they're staying at the youth hostel, which was not air-conditioned, and it was quite warm. Uh, that was what we were told, and that probably contributed to Josh's body temperature being elevated by half a degree. Um no, his friend's name is Brian, and he was not uh, taken, he was not quarantined. They both were actually quarantined initially in their youth hostel overnight. The medical examiners came back the next day and took their temperature yet again. Um, and we were told, actually we have friends who work in Japan, and we were told before Josh left that um, this kind of scenario could take place. But we actually thought since things were quieting down in terms of the virus, that it, and since it hadn't reached Japan, we thought it was actually a pretty safe trip for him to make and that he shouldn't have his trip interrupted. Um, I guess we were initially wrong, but he's okay now and he's moved on. Good, and I, I understand he's, he'll be coming home uh, soon, so he's still traveling. And, you know, given this experience and, you know, this was probably um, a, a one-off thing because of, of the virus and as Dave mentioned um, Japan's history uh, with reacting to th- to things of this sort. Um, has has this has this put Josh off, or has it um, deterred him at all, or 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 caused you any anxiety about for future travel? Um, not for us. No, I would definitely say not. Um, I would, however, a caution. I guess I would say a caution: parents sending their children uh, abroad. Uh, it would be nice to be able to um, have people you can contact other than the U.S. Embassy. In mm-hmm. other words, it would be nice to be able to speak with their doctors. If we called the hospital in Japan, we wouldn't have anyone to speak to. Who would right. they have to get a translator? It was kind of a rather a uh, large undertaking to do that, apparently, mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. deal with the U.S. Embassy because they were our go-between, basically. I right. think if you go well, to a country where they speak English, you probably would have less of a problem. Let me bring up uh, our, our next guest. Dr. Maurice Ramirez is founder and president of the consulting firm High Alert, and he serves on expert panels for pandemic preparedness and Healthcare surge planning with congressional and cabinet members. Dr. Ramirez, welcome to the Traveling On Radio Show. Thank you. How are you doing today? Oh, we're good. We're good. Now, um, as you may have heard, you know, one of our guests, her son, was quarantined in, in Japan, uh, and uh, another guest was kind of in the middle of uh, the SARS pandemic back in Vietnam. What is it? What is this H1N1 strain that's causing, seems to cause so much? Uh, panic. Well, H1N1 influenza is a variation on the same influenza virus that caused the great pandemic of 1917-1918. And that's what has so many people concerned, in fact, overly concerned in the case of this particular virus. Now, that is not to say that we should not be observing good surveillance of what is happening both with the H1N1 virus, as well as H5N1 and H7N2, the two avian strains that we've been tracking for the last four years. But mm-hmm. H1N1 has moved several times through the human population, which means that there are people out there right now who have natural immunity because they have encountered this virus at some point in the past, either were mildly ill and, and recovered or didn't get ill at all, and just gained immunity without ever getting sick. And that decreases the effectiveness of any disease 
in a large population when a, when a portion of that population is already immune. And, you know, it's my understanding, Dr. Ramirez, that you actually predicted uh, this next, uh, this H1N1 strain uh, several years ago. Tell us about how you, uh, you, you came about this, this prediction and, 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 and what history has taught us with regards to uh, these types of viruses. Well, the prediction was that we would have a pandemic 91 years, plus or minus four years, from the last great pandemic, the last great pandemic being 1917-1918, plus 91 years is 2008-2009, which happens to be the cold and flu season that ends uh, in a few days. Plus or minus four years, well, it didn't happen four years ago, but we still have four more years. Mm -hmm. Is is this H1N1 the great pandemic that is due every once, about once every century in human history? Or is this just a minor pandemic, and do we still have something more serious just beyond the horizon that we can't see yet? And that's the part that's unknown. It's not so much that that, I or anybody else predicted this particular disease, but that many of us have been predicting based on the genetics of influenza, that this was an inevitability, that we would get a new novel strain somewhere in this time range, because that's when it's happened every time for the last three centuries that we have record of, and there's good evidence that it goes back even longer than that. Mm-hmm. So, so, the, so the jury's really still out um, uh, on, on whether or not the H1N1 is, is the next uh, uh, pandemic, but I know you know. I'm listening to the news, and and really, you know, we we should listen to the news a little bit less um, uh, in in some instances. But uh, I know that there's been a lot of conversation about uh, this this virus um, coming about at this time of year, uh, you know, in, in warmer weather, and um, and uh, and you know, and I think that's part of its new mutation. But um, we're going to talk a little bit more about. This virus and uh, and get some questions answered from yourself, Dr. Ramirez, and another medical expert we're bringing on right after this break. And we will see you on the other side of this break. Brownsworldtravel.com is the premier internet travel destination, offering you the best travel values for all your travel needs. Not only can you book the basics in travel, such as flights, rental cars, and hotels, but think of us when you're planning a cruise. A complete vacation package, registering for your honeymoon, or searching for those last-minute travel deals. Unlike the other online booking sites, BronzeWorldTravel.com does not compromise customer service. Backed by a team of seasoned travel professionals and a nationally rated agency, at BronzeWorldTravel.com there is always someone available to answer your questions. We have so many great travel deals that you'll make us your first choice when it comes to travel. Visit BronzeWorldTravel.com today and discover the best values in travel. That's B-R-O-N-Z-E WorldTravel.com. BronzeWorldTravel.com, where we celebrate life through travel. Every hour of every day, an American is diagnosed with multiple sclerosis. MS typically strikes between the ages of 16 and 50 when people are building careers and raising families. Today, there is no known cause or cure for MS. To learn more about this unpredictable disease, to volunteer, or to make a contribution to this important mission, please call 1-800-FIGHT-MS. 
You can make a difference by helping us stop this devastating disease. Please call 1-800-FIGHT-MS today. Thank you. Health officials are concerned about a new influenza virus of swine origin that's spreading from person to person. Officials are acting to combat this threat, but the outbreak could grow. Prepare now. Check with local leaders, schools, employers, and other community groups about their plans regarding an outbreak in your community. It's important for everyone to know what to do about swine flu. For details, visit www.cdc.gov swineflu or call 1-800-CDC-INFO. A message from HHS. This is President Barack Obama. In the story of America, the greatest chapters are moments of challenge, when we see people serving their country and one another, volunteers who step forward into hospital corridors and church basements, along levees and fire lines. And the next chapter is yours to help write. Sign up to volunteer at usaservice.org. That's usaservice.org. Let's renew America together. A message from Renew America Together, brought to you by the Ad Council. Let's return to the Traveling On Radio Show. And welcome back, everyone. Ian Fitzpatrick along with Tanya Fitzpatrick here on the Traveling On Radio Show. And we are having a roundtable discussion about the H1N1 virus. It's obviously in the headlines, and we want to put an appropriate spotlight on it. And, uh, again, you're enjoying music from... Punta Mayo, the official music sponsor of the Traveling On Radio Show. Those are songs from Quebec. Remember to follow us on Facebook and Twitter to get the latest information on the show and our travels. And as uh, we told you at the uh, top of the show, we are headed to Ohio next month to do a live remote from the Kalahari Resort. You can get information about that and more at www.travelin-on.com. And we're going to continue our conversation with Dave Lowe and Dr. Maurice Ramirez. And Dr. Ramirez, I want to come back to you and have uh, Dave also chime in on this as well. There's a real economic impact uh, to, to what's going on here. And doctors specifically, we could see some major structural changes uh, uh, in, in, in the business world if uh, this flu becomes a pandemic. Could you kind of speak to that? And, and I'd also like to get Dave's perspective as well from, from what things we could see take place in the travel industry, too. I cannot comment anything about the expected economic uh, impact, but I can tell you this about uh, the swine flu. Uh, Do you hear me? Here in New York. It's here in New York in fairly large numbers. Yeah, uh, here, I have been I said this about three weeks ago when, when I was on Fox News talking about the swine flu, and I had very preliminary information then, and it's much firmer now. It is at least um, as mild, I should say, as the seasonal flu. It does not appear to be in any way worse okay. than seasonal flu. Uh, it might be a little more contagious. Uh, that's not clear yet. Oh, I'm not sure. But certainly as far as severity, as far Do- as speedability. Do- Dr. Belolowski, I'm, I'm sorry. I think I, I hear Dr. Uh, Ramirez and, and Dave Lowe trying to t- pipe into the, the yes. questions we had asked. Uh, so if you don't mind, I just want to revert back oh. to uh, to those gentlemen. Dave, are you there? Yes, I'm here. <laughs> okay. Then if you could pos- possibly uh, comment about uh, uh, or address Ian's question to you. Sure. Um, I would think that if the uh, virus was to flare up again, the most um, impact would be seen on uh, package tourist destinations like Hawaii, um, of course, Mexico, which has already seen a strong impact, um, the Caribbean, um, Europe as well. 
Um, it's less of an impact on the FIT travel market, which kind of has a different decision-making process to uh, the packaged tourism market. Um, the company I worked for in Vietnam um, was dealing with group trips, and they were severely affected by SARS because, the, again, like I said, the decision-making process is more following the you know, mass media market, listening to a bit of panic, maybe a little bit too much, and making the decision kind of rashly without thinking it through. Um, and I think that, like I said, they're more impacted be seen on places like Hawaii or Mexico, Caribbean, where there's a lot of packaged tourist um, visitors. At this point, we'd like to bring Dr. Anatoly Belolovsky into the conversation. He's the director of Belolovsky Pediatrics and a Child Health and Flu Detention Treatment Expert from New York City. He's got 20 years of experience in the field and formerly taught at Cornell University and was the chief resident at Brooklyn Hospital. Doctor, welcome. Thank you. Uh, hopefully, I can I can talk now. It's yes. 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 Thank you for having me on the program. We are, we are happy to have you here. Uh, you two, like our other doctor, uh, had, had predicted that uh, the H1N1 would uh, happen, but uh, you've also contended that even though this wi virus is pretty widespread, it's no more harmful than the regular flu that hundreds of thousands of people catch every year. Could you speak to that? Well, it's not hundreds of thousands. It's millions and billions who catch it every year. Mm -hmm. uh, the mortality from regular, underlying regular seasonal flu is well over 30,000 a year. And uh, I actually looked this morning on the CDC website tracking the, uh, the progress of the epidemic, and it showed something uh, very interesting. Uh, it showed a large blip uh, in the number of cases. The number of cases of flu out there are much, much higher than expected. Uh, what's interesting and gratifying, even though you know, sad on one level, is that the pediatric mortality curve, which peaked back in February with about uh, 11 uh, deaths a week from regular flu, is mm -hmm. staying at about one a week uh, right now. So the mortality of this blip appears to be much lower than of the flu that we have every year and actually had uh, and didn't talk that much about back in February. Uh, Dr. Belolovsky and, and uh, Prasit Vajalista, I wanted to, to greet you in, in Russian because I like to practice when I can, so I will uh, kindly greet you at the Draswichi and, uh, and to thank you for, for joining us and apologize for, the, um, for the, the earlier confusion. Now, your practice area is, is uh, child health and flu detection treatment. Well, flu detection is not exactly a separate area. Uh, when we have a flu epidemic, we do flu detection. When we don't, we do something else. Mm -hmm. uh, but mm -hmm. General pediatrics is what I do, and by definition, uh, we do what's, uh, we deal with what's coming in through the door. Right. So, so, so with with what we have here now with the H1N1, and you know, we're 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 trying to help people make informed decisions about their travel plans, and with uh, summer vacation coming up. Um, what advice would you have for the, the mother or father out there who's trying to consider, you know, whether or not they should travel because of all of the, the, the things they've heard in the news and, you know, the airplanes and kids being quarantined, et cetera. What advice would you, would you have very, for those families? Very, very simple. Think back to February. Were you considering not going someplace because of the flu epidemic that was in force then? If the flu epidemic that was ongoing and very severe back in February is, did not enter your thought back then. It should not enter your thought now. This is not 
in any way worse than the regular flu epidemic, uh, other than being blown completely out of proportion by the media. Uh, the word is, the CDC is saying, don't take this for granted. Well, the CDC is saying, don't take seasonal flu for granted either. So CDC is absolutely correct in maintaining a level of concern over this flu. It is not higher than the level of concern over seasonal flu, which everybody knows is dangerous. Now, if we weren't uh, letting it affect our travel plans three months ago, there's no reason to let it affect our plans now, except that I think right now would be the perfect time to go to Mexico because you'll, you'll be faced with empty beaches, empty hotels, great prices, uh, and as far as uh, danger of getting sick, I think you're running uh, run it about the same in New York City. Now, now, doctor, that statement you just made about travel to Mexico, that would seem counterintuitive to most people. And I think that that's, that that's the hurdle that has to be overcome in the minds of, of, of most regular folks. Uh, you know, other than education and, uh, you know, getting a comfort zone, how does one actually get to that point of, you know, feeling it's okay to travel when, when the headlines are out there? We've just, had news of a toddler who, who passed away in, in New York City over the past 24 hours. So there's a major issue there. Yes. He was the one toddler for this week. Uh, there were 11 pediatric deaths of flu uh, per week back in February. Mm -hmm. uh, were we talking about the flu in February or were we not? Uh, that's, that's my question. I suppose we were, but certainly not at, at this level. And, and you know, and uh, I'm not. Uh, yes. Mm -hmm. Dave, Dave, what are your, your thoughts? I actually agree 100%. I think now is the time to go to Mexico. And I think that people do need to take a step back and realize, you know, back in February, this was not a concern. Um, it has been made a concern now by the media. Um, and like SARS, uh, people. Uh, cancel their trips in droves for really no reason. Um, and I agree 100%. I think now is the time to go to Mexico. Uh, one of my points was that a lot of people that work in the tourism industry are out of a job or severely impacted as well through no fault of their own um, by people canceling. And people should pay attention to their decisions because it does affect people very um, strongly um, in places like Mexico. Mm hmm. Mm hmm. And, you know, and again, I think it's a matter of, uh, of following, you know, regular, uh, you know, common sense tips. Wash your hands frequently. You know, avoid perhaps uh, areas with that, that, you know, where large outbreaks are, are, are common. Um, maybe don't double dip, you know, with with somebody else. Uh, so, you know, those those are just kind of common uh, common sense things that I think people yeah. really need to uh, to to uh, employ. Exactly. It's common sense. Mm -hmm. I, agree. Mm -hmm. I agree. This was the case always. Uh, I yep. remember going on a cruise uh, a couple of years ago, and uh, because of the recent uh, Norwalk virus epidemic, they were having everybody uh, everybody use hand sanitizer all over the place. Wonderful idea. Would work uh, just as well for the flu epidemic, although it is more uh, respiratory trans transmitted. But still. And right now, I, I just looked on the Internet, there are uh, hotel chains that are offering a flu guarantee. They will pay for your next free vacation if you catch flu while in Mexico. Grab it before they change their mind. It's the best deal I've ever heard. 
Exactly. 100%. Absolutely. And in fact, I think I just Twittered today uh, about a, a, a sale in Mexico. Um, and I don't know what property this was because it's a very interesting marketing angle. But uh, this property will give you uh, three free holidays if you catch the flu in Mexico. And this is a property in Mexico. Um, very, very, very interesting. I think we have uh, Dr. Ramirez back on the line. Dr. Ramirez, are you still with us? Or are you back? I am here. Actually, uh, according to the folks that were following me when I put put this show out on Twitter, they could hear me, but uh, you guys couldn't earlier. Oh, mm-hmm. dear. So sorry. <laughs> That's all. Dr. Ramirez, just uh, in, in, in the closing minutes that we have in this segment, uh, just just your thoughts about uh, about practical things that people can do. We We've had we've had a lot of uh, headlines out there that are scaring people. What are what are what are what are your basic thoughts here about uh, about what's the approach this can take to manage through this? Well, first thing that you have to remember is that you learned everything you really needed to know about preventing the spread of infection in kindergarten. As Tanya said, you have to wash your hands. Study last year: seventy-eight percent of men, forty-two percent of women don't wash their hands after toileting, coughing, or sneezing. That has to change. The second thing is you can't share food, utensils, drinks. As, as Seinfeld said, no double-dipping the chip. <laughs> yeah, it's, and it's not just don't wipe off the edge of the can and have somebody else take a drink from your soda pop. It includes things like don't hand them your sandwich to break off a piece because, okay, they got a clean piece of sandwich. You got all the dirty stuff off of their hands all over your food. So... We have to do that. Stay in your seat. This deals with how far does a cough or a sneeze go. We have good research going back 30 years that if you cough in your hand, sneeze in your hand, sneeze or cough without doing it into your sleeve, that you make a six-foot mushroom cloud around yourself that rain down on everybody. Uh, in mm. modern age, other than maybe if you're sitting in coach, and I recently flew in coach and had a lovely young lady sneeze on me eight times before she looked at my computer screen, and noticed that I was writing on pandemic, at which point she started coughing and sneezing on the person on the other side of us. Mm. Um, but, you know, you have to you have to stay, if you can, stay out of other people's exhaust zone. Don't be sitting with your chin on their shoulder uh, at work. You know, if you don't have to sit right on top of the person next to you or stand right next to them, give them that, that personal space of three to six feet to decrease infection. And, and then finally, you know, have the courtesy to, to sneeze into your own elbow. It directs the entire cone of all of those droplets, all of that, all of those particles of virus straight at the floor rather than into the air and all over everybody around you. Mm-hmm. The, last thing, the last thing is people need to remember there are almost 7 billion people in the world. That's a seven with nine zeros after it. We have fewer than 10,000 cases of H1N1. That is an incredibly low probability of ever even coming into contact with somebody who is who has the disease and is infectious. Uh, so right now we need to be watching. And, yes, it is possible that in the next pandemic, utilizing the numbers we saw in 1917, 1918, we could have 50 million people, you know, so sick that they can't care for themselves, 100 million people in the United States ill, 6 million mm-hmm. people die. But right now, we're dealing with five dead. It is such that every death makes the news. 
Now, that's unfortunate for the, for the families, and, and my heart goes out to them, but it's great for the rest of us because if it is such a low number dying that every one of them makes the news, that won't happen when it's six, when it's six million. And that's right. Just right now, this disease is not as, as bad as it could be. It's surveillance. It's watchful waiting. Mm-hmm. And that, that, that raises a question for me, something I saw on the news this morning. I'd like to, to ask uh, in the last uh, two minutes that we have with, with you guys. Um, there was a, a, a three-part slide show um, that uh, one of the news stories uh, showed this morning um, under the, you know, the teaser symptoms, uh, you know, symptoms of the H1N1 flu. The first slide showed um, an X-ray of lungs with mostly black space and a little bit of white space, the, the black representing air, the white representing fluid. The second slide, which was slide day two, showed lungs that were uh, half black, half white. The third slide showed uh, lungs that only had a, a quarter worth of air in their entire capacity, a quarter of the lungs were filled with air, the rest with fluid. And at that point, you know, the... Uh, the um, television doctor said that uh, you know that person would be on a respirator I, I just want to set the record straight this flu this virus is not that serious but for perhaps you know the odd case correct Dr. Ramirez at this moment we are not seeing that level of virulence or lethality that the kind of thing you're describing is what would have happened in 1917-1918 when this virus was brand new and it's the mm-hmm. same thing that is happening with H5N1 in the severe cases. But what we're seeing right now, like you said, other than those few odd cases that, at least odd right now, that are very severe, the majority of people are getting mildly to moderately ill, and then they're doing fine and going home. And right. And Dr. Belolowski, do you do you agree? And I'll tell you, this, this, this it scared me, even though, you know, I'm a person of pretty decent intellect, uh, it scared me only because I have suffered from respiratory uh, issues in, in the past. Bronchitis it was almost a biannual uh, or, you know, every two-year thing for me. Um, but this virus that we are dealing with now is not as serious as some people in the media are making it out to be. The scary part, which should be scary for you, is the fact that 36,000 people per year have that x-ray every year from seasonal flu. At least 36,000 a year die of flu, and, and they go through this stage uh, before they die. This, we're talking about regular, seasonal, taken for granted, uh, so what, uh, yawn flu. Mm-hmm. So far, it looks like this flu has done it to fewer than 50 people in Mexico and fewer than 10 people in the United States. Mm-hmm. You tell me what's scary is. Well, thank you for setting the record straight, Dr. Ramirez, Dr. Belolowski, and we thank you for, for spending some time with us on the Traveling On Radio Show today to, to separate the hype from facts, the, the actual facts out there. And um, we appreciate your time, and we uh, tell our listening audience uh, in our next half hour, we are going to speak to a gentleman who um, will help you sort out the emotions and, and handle the stress uh, that these types of issues raise so that you can continue to lead productive uh, and fruitful lives. And also we'll have a chat with 
uh, Commissioner from the National Association of Insurance Commissioners to talk about health insurance and, and in particular travel insurance for those of you who are still uh, willing to travel. You're listening to the Traveling On Radio Show with Tanya and Fitzpatrick, and we will see you on the other side of this break. BrownsWorldTravel.com is the premier Internet travel destination, offering you the best travel values for all your travel needs. Not only can you book the basics in travel, such as flights, rental cars, and hotels, but think of us when you're planning a cruise. A complete vacation package, registering for your honeymoon, or searching for those last-minute travel deals. Unlike the other online booking sites, BronzeWorldTravel.com does not compromise customer service. Backed by a team of seasoned travel professionals and a nationally rated agency, at BronzeWorldTravel.com there is always someone available to answer your questions. We have so many great travel deals that you'll make us your first choice when it comes to travel. Visit BronzeWorldTravel.com today and discover the best values in travel. That's B-R-O-N-Z-E WorldTravel.com. BronzeWorldTravel.com, where we celebrate life through travel. Whether you're traveling by plane, train, or automobile, make TravelingOn.com your first stop. At TravelingOn.com, that's TravelIn-On.com, you can get current travel news and information, buy the latest travel book, and find those great travel bargains. Visit TravelingOn.com, your premier source for all things travel. That's TravelIn-On.com, and make sure to sign up for email specials and tune into the Traveling On radio show each week for a chance to win some great travel prizes. Would it be crazy if you packed your bags and left for a week? A month? A year? What if you left for two years? What if you were going far away to help in a village on the edge of the Gobi Desert? To spend time with people the rest of the world only reads about? To teach children and learn a thing or two about yourself? Would that be crazy? Peace Corps. Life is calling. How far will you go? To find out more, call 1-800-424-8580 or visit peacecorps.gov. This is the Traveling On Radio Show. And welcome back, everybody, and thank you for joining us today on the Traveling On Radio Show as we continue our discussion about just kind of handling the H1N1 um, virus and, 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 and talking about its impact on travel and certainly your travel plans. And uh, whilst we wait for um, other guests, I wanted to, to circle back to Dave because, Dave, you're still with us, right? Yep, I'm here. Okay. You know, one of the things, when, when because you were right in the middle of the SARS pandemic, and mm-hmm. we're, in, we're going in this next segment talking about, you know, how to kind of ima- uh, manage the, the stress of um, these types of, of things. Because, it, it, you know, it, the attention that the media is giving this and maybe the over-exaggeration of, uh, of this virus is causing really a lot of panic, I think. What what are some of the best practices that were implemented, if at all, during SARS, or some of the lessons learned? I think one of the best for the travel industry was to um, get in touch much closer with your suppliers and um, your customers. And when I worked at the uh, mar- as a marketing manager for that inbound company, we implemented a daily uh, newsletter to all of our um, partners in Europe and Australia and America, and 
gave them on the ground, up to the minute information as we had it from the epicenter, basically, um, which cut through the media reports, which were kind of sometimes off base, sometimes exaggerated, but not always um, on on target in terms of the information they needed to, to get to their clients because many of our clients were groups and like I said, groups have a different um, um, way in which they make decisions for travel. It's a bit more um, cautious and they needed to get that information to their clients that things were okay and they were not going to fall sick and um, they were not going to get sick on the plane or on the ground Mm -hmm. uh, that people were, it was not necessary to wear a mask, you know, during their vacation, which wouldn't have been a very good vacation at all. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, we just submitted mm-hmm. a, a day. I put together a daily um, newsletter, even if there was nothing to report, just to say that look, we're here for you. Right, and and that's sometimes what you know all people want. And and, and I want to bring in uh, our next guest, Steve uh, Cremato, who is the managing director at Extreme Behavioral Risk Management in New York City, and it's he's one of the uh, leading uh, behavioral experts in the United States in handling disasters, pandemics emergencies and uh, terrorism and Steve focuses on the human factor aspect of emergencies including behavior fear psychology stress and emotions and Steve I want to welcome you to the traveling on radio show thanks thanks for having me it's our pleasure now you know with with this outbreak of uh, H1N1 flu you know many travelers and potential travelers are concerned and rethinking their plans what are some of the, the 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 steps that you have your clients, uh, because you do this as a as a consultancy, um, go through and in, in, in trying to assess, you know, their their next steps and and uh, and make plans uh, to travel or not to travel. Well, I think there's uh, there's two levels of this, and one is <clears throat> kind of at the the situation level and looking at the events and trying to gain, of course, as, as your other guest said, credible information that's uh, based in, in kind of an accurate, uh, kind of factual way. Uh, so people can make accurate decisions, make make appropriate decisions. And what we're finding right now is people seem to be making that information or getting that information in kind of a blended way. Uh, so many more people online now getting information as well. So they're getting a blend of traditional media information, and then we try to to supplement that with uh, more direct information from CDC, World Health Organization, and the like. So that's kind of situational information that people are bringing into decision-making. The other part of that, though, is very individual decision-making, and some has to do with the individual's health profile. They're traveling with a young child. They're traveling with someone who has a history of different health problems. Uh, and then just generally a risk-benefit sort of analysis. You know, is this a, a real necessary trip? Is it a vacation or something that can or should be moved? Is it urgent in some way? Um, that all goes into an individual sort of decision-making process. So uh, I understand that what people look for very often in, in any sorts of emergency really is clear guidance and, and some, some leadership that says do this and, and don't do that. But in these sort of crises, which are a little less, uh, a little less clear, more uncertainty, and subject to a lot of individual interpretation both by the media and, and uh, us as individuals, um, unfortunately there's not one kind of silver bullet source of information that's going to come down and say uh, we should all you know, do this or, or not do that in a situation. So decisions tend to be very much individualized um, based on the, the individual, the client, circumstances, and, of course, the hazard. So a lot goes into that decision-making for people. It's not a necessarily simple process. Hey, Steve, this is Ian here. Uh, 
question for you. Uh, just just a few weeks ago when, when the H1N1 was breaking out, our vice president commented that he wouldn't have his family travel on aircraft and so forth. And yet at the same time, you've got leaders, whether they are political leaders or business leaders, who have to kind of keep things running and kind of keep confidence, whether it's with their employees who, who, who might be running fearful out there about coming to work and so forth. Talk about this balancing act and what are you advising uh, your clients, i.e. some of the business people, to, uh, to do with uh, you know, this, this situation that they are facing? Well, uh, I'll try to break that you know, in, into those two questions. First of all, um, the vice president uh, has a little bit of a habit in terms of his uh, speaking out on things and having to retract them, them later on, but it was a very good demonstration of what is kind of a... Um, a little bit of a, a split personality, if you would, in terms of how the public responds to leadership and information. On one hand, we look for clear leadership. There's a lot of good information that comes from research, whether it's the World Trade Center evacuation study, it's looking at different uh, disease and bio, biological weapons uh, responses and so forth. And on one hand, people tend to look for real clear leadership and want that and, and uh you know, almost demand it. There's that information-seeking phase we all kind of go through in the early days of an event like this. On the other hand, what we know through research is there's also a little bit of a heightened distrust of public officials during crises just like these. So it's kind of a, a mixed bag. It's funny, you know, people in general want to hear from leaders, and then on the same, uh, by the same token, don't necessarily always believe or buy what they're saying. And something like uh, the vice president said, um, which it, it certainly appeared to most people, he said, uh, truthfully off the cuff and, and you know, just kind of in a, in a very natural, spontaneous way. And later, of course, the, the whole machine kicks up and says well, what the vice president really means to say is. Uh, but in this way, you know, we know that people are in a little bit of a bind because uh, there's that tendency to, you know, look towards leaders and, and somewhat not believe them at the same time. Um, mm -hmm. What we're doing and saying to our clients is actually goes along those, those lines as well. Within organizations, people look for some clarity. And it's human nature, you know, in general, that we do better with different types of threats and different types of stresses that uh, we know as opposed to the things we don't know. We don't do real well in uncertainty. And whether That's it's true. in the general community or, or corporate client, um, what we know, unfortunately, is disease outbreaks and the a number of other sorts of disasters, not traditional disasters like natural disasters and technological disasters, but other sorts of disasters, very often there is just tremendous ambiguity, uncertainty, and, and almost a little bit of chaos in the first several days of an event that leave people speculating, uh, leave people wondering. So one of the things we say to leaders is, you know, come down, get your best information, come up with an organizational uh, kind of statement or position on um, on the situation, and be very transparent and very clear in how you communicate that uh, to people. And you know, Steve, I I um I just uh, entered a, a blog entry on our website travelnd-on.com that actually links to um, your website because you guys put together a, a wonderful white paper on helping people deal with uh, the emotional impact of uh, of this and other you know just public health. Uh, uh, issues and and you have some good techniques for managing stress and uh, coping with stress and so 
um, just uh, for our listening audience, so they can uh, find uh, additional information uh, to your website and, and, and some of the points that you've been raising um, from our website as well. And Steve, I want to thank you for joining us today on the Traveling On radio show and helping uh, really put some more things into perspective with regards to the, uh, you know, the, the media coverage uh, on the H1N1 um, virus and, uh, and, and, and just how we, 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 we can cope with this a little bit better. And uh, thank you so much for joining us today. Uh, you're listening to the Traveling On Radio Show with Tanya and Ian Fitzpatrick. And when we come back, for those of you guys who still want to travel, and I hope all of you do, um, we will be talking to one of the, uh, the immediate past president of the National Association of Insurance Commissioners about health insurance and travel insurance. We'll see you on the other side of this break. Looking for the latest travel book, the hottest item in travel gear and clothing? Or are you researching a destination or looking into the most current travel regulations or warnings? If so, visit TravelinOn.com, your one-stop shop for travel resources. At TravelinOn.com, that's TravelN-On.com, you can get the latest travel news and information and shop for all of your travel needs. TravelinOn.com is your premier source for all things travel. That's TravelN-On.com. Every hour of every day, an American is diagnosed with multiple sclerosis. MS typically strikes between the ages of 16 and 50 when people are building careers and raising families. Today, there is no known cause or cure for MS. To learn more about this unpredictable disease, to volunteer, or to make a contribution to this important mission, please call 1-800-FIGHT-MS. You can make a difference by helping us stop this devastating disease. Please call 1-800-FIGHT-MS today. Thank you. Health officials are concerned about a new influenza virus of swine origin that's spreading from person to person. Officials are acting to combat this threat, but the outbreak might grow, so be prepared. Store a two-week supply of food and water. Have two weeks of your regular prescription drugs at home. Keep health supplies on hand, including pain relievers and cold medicines. For more details, visit www.cdc.gov swineflu or call 1-800-CDC-INFO. A message from HHS. Well, he moved early. That's going to draw the yellow flag. Offside, number 72, five yards. Check out this fan leaving the game. He's headed straight up the middle and right into a sobriety checkpoint. Let's see how he handles it. No, officer. I haven't been drinking. I'm the designated driver. Upon further review, this fan made the right call by being a designated driver. Sign up to be the designated driver at the stadium and always buckle up. You could follow your favorite NFL team to the Super Bowl. Provided as a public service by the station at Team Coalition. making sure the air in your home is healthy for your family to breathe. Testing for radon is easy. Just call 866-730-GREEN. A message from the US EPA. Health officials are concerned about a new flu virus of swine origin spreading from person to person. To help fight swine flu, cover your nose and mouth with a tissue when you cough or sneeze, then throw the tissue away. Wash your hands often with soap and water, especially after coughing or sneezing. Stay home if you're sick and limit contact with others to keep from infecting them. 
To learn more, visit www.cdc.gov swine flu or call 1-800-CDC-INFO. A message from HHS. This is the Traveling On Radio Show, bringing you a world of travel news and information. Once again, let's join your hosts, Ian and Tanya Fitzpatrick. And welcome back to the Traveling On Radio Show as we continue our discussion of the H1N1 outbreak. And whether you're going to continue with your travel plans, what are some of the next steps that you might want to contemplate is... uh, an insurance review part of that. Joining us right now is Sandy Prager, the immediate past president of the National Insurance uh, uh, Fund and National uh, uh, Association of Insurance Commissioners. National Association of Insurance Commissioners. I couldn't see that here, but uh, Sandy, we're happy to have you with us on the Traveling on Radio show. What what sorts of things would you suggest to individuals to to focus on if uh, they're contemplating travel Uh, particularly with respect to their insurance at uh, this time? It's always important, uh, Ann and Tanya, for people to understand what their health insurance policy covers, but uh, especially if they're going to be traveling with the potential for perhaps contracting uh, the virus while they're traveling, uh, they ought to understand what kind of preauthorization is needed for a a hospital admission or for other services uh, in terms of uh, getting access to uh, Tamiflu, flu or relenza, the two drugs that are most commonly uh, used now for treatment, understand do they have any limitations? Is it covered uh, by their, by, is the prescription covered by their plan? Uh, do they have uh, out-of-network co-payments? Uh, they, if they're traveling, they may be in an area where their particular doctor or hospital is not in, is not in, the net, in their network, uh, in the network where they're traveling. So, uh, it's just, you know, it's just understanding your policy. Know, know what, uh, what you have in terms of coverage and know what those coverage limitations are. Mm-hmm. And, and, uh, and Sandy, with, uh, um, with regards to travel insurance, you know, there's specific language that people should really look for uh, in their travel, uh, their travel insurance policies and different types of uh, travel insurance. Talk a little bit about the, the different types of travel insurance and the, and the specific language that they uh, should look for, and I'm, I'm referring uh, to language that um, you know discusses whether or not a epidemic or a pandemic is actually covered. Right. Sometimes the policy may, in, in fact, um, ex- expressly not cover epidemics or pandemic situations. So, understanding uh, again, understanding the terms. If you're if you're getting travel insurance, um, there are, you know three main uh, areas of coverage. One's the trip cancellation. You're going to you get reimbursed if you can't make the trip because of an illness or a family member uh, dies. Um, travel delays, uh, if you can't take uh, your trip because of a tr- uh, flight delays or cancellation, you can get reimbursed. Or, or trip interruption, you have to leave your uh, vacation or trip early and get an earlier flight back because of um, some sort of a misfortune. Most of those misfortunes and and the stipulations are in the language of the uh, travel insurance. So it is, again, really important to know you're not just getting a blanket a policy that's going to cover every potential uh, occurrence. So understanding um, the terms of the policy is really important. Mm-hmm. And, and even with something like travel cancellation insurance, you know, uh, the CDC recently lifted its travel 
uh, alert for Mexico. But in late April, when it urged, you know, Americans to avoid all non-essential travel, people started travel, uh, canceling their, their trips, even with travel cancellation. And, uh, and part of the reason, you know, in, in, in these, some of these folks lost their money because um, of the reason they were canceling their trips. And, and, and you know, the, uh, people needed to understand that fear is not a legitimate reason to, to cancel you, you know, a, a, a trip. The fear of catching an illness in Mexico and, uh, or wherever they were traveling was not a legitimate enough reason, according to some of the insurance companies, to actually refund uh, that trip, correct? That's, that is correct. And, you know, fear is, um, I think, a motivating factor right now. We were supposed to have an international insurance meeting here last week, and some of the uh, members of this uh, executive committee uh, from the, uh, Europe were afraid to come to the U.S., so oh. <laughs> the uh, trip was canceled. So we've our national association has has uh, felt the impact of um, of that that widespread um, discomfort, I guess, uh, about travel. You know, I think we we all just need to remember that flu is uh, a normal occurrence. It is contagious. Um, I think. This has received an awful lot of attention, um, and rightfully so, but I think if people are going to travel, in addition to just understanding their health insurance policies and trip cancellation and the various um, uh, components of travel insurance, when you're traveling, just practice common sense and good hygiene. You know, carry, you can get those little um, gel packs, um, alcohol wipes that you can carry in your um, carry-on luggage. Uh, um, you know, practicing good personal hygiene is going to go a long way towards uh, keeping you safe as well. Now, Sandy, for uh, those uh, consumers who uh, want to learn more about uh, some of the things that they should look for in, in terms of reviewing any insurance coverages, are there any good websites that you can recommend, uh, such as such as the NAIC's well, website? The, yes, the NAIC, uh, NAIC.org um, website has some very good information, the cdc.gov and then um, slash swine flu also has information about the, the, the uh, pandemic. Uh, pandemicflu.gov is another federal uh, website. So there are a number of websites out there, but specific information about insurance, they can go to naic.org. Mm-hmm. And, then, and I, uh, I actually placed a link on uh, on the blog that I, I put up this afternoon uh, with the NEIC website and some of the other sites that uh, that that you recommended. But Sandy, thank you so much for for joining us today and and helping to educate us a little bit more on uh, our health insurance and travel insurance uh, uh, policies. And uh, appreciate you um, spending the time with us on the show today. And thank our listening audience also for joining us today and we look forward to communicating with you during the week on Facebook and Twitter and so please join us on our social networks and sign up for our newsletter at our website travelnd-on.com until next week we look forward to seeing you happy travels happy travels
BronzeWorldTravel.com is your one-stop travel store where you can find the best travel values available at the most competitive prices. Whether you're booking a cruise, flight, car, or vacation package, they have so many great travel deals that you'll make them your first choice when it comes to travel. Visit them today at BronzeWorldTravel.com. You'll also find a link to BronzeWorldTravel.com on the Travel and On website. BronzeWorldTravel.com, where they celebrate life through travel. Looking for the latest travel book, the hottest item in travel gear and clothing? Or are you researching a destination or looking into the most current travel regulations or warnings? If so, visit TravelinOn.com, your one-stop shop for travel resources. At TravelinOn.com, that's Travelin-On.com, you can get the latest travel news and information and shop for all of your travel needs. TravelinOn.com is your premier source for all things travel. That's Travelin-On.com. With great privilege comes great responsibility. Carter Fleming, Community Center Volunteer. The giving spirit is as passionate in the boomers today as it was in our 20s, and we as a generation can still impact our country. Lead, inspire, change the world again. Join thousands and find which volunteer opportunity is best for you. Call 1-800-424-8867 today or visit www.getinvolved.gov. This message is brought to you by the Corporation for National and Community Service Administration. 